I'd like to speak this evening on the uh, theme of giving and receiving. The teachings of the Buddha, known as the Dharma teachings, are essentially concerned with understanding for ourselves what it means to live in this world in a way that is authentic, that is genuine, that feels meaningful and ultimately satisfying. What it, we could say what it means to live well. And it is important, therefore, for us to, to understand what the basis of well-being is in this world. And equally, what is the basis of the absence of well-being in our lives? And in the teachings of the the Buddha, as Catherine referred to last night, quite a simple recognition that craving, holding, grasping, whether to those things that we want or in its negative aspect of pushing away, resisting, aversion to those things that we don't want, that the contraction and the separation born of this tendency, this habit, this pattern of our hearts and minds is very much the basis of suffering. That the degree to which we are contracted and identified with those patterns, those tendencies, is the degree to which we experience an absence of of satisfaction, of well-being in our lives. And the implication of this is that the basis of freedom, the basis of peace and of genuine well-being is letting go, is what we could call non-clinging, not taking hold of things. And we could say, in fact, that freedom is measured not by what we have, but what we are able to let go of. A well-known teacher in America, Jack Cornfield, once commented that we sometimes relate to meditation and meditation retreats a bit like going to the, you know, the corner store. Like, you know, what can I get? What would I like? All these shelves full of possibilities. And yet actually it's perhaps more accurately, he commented, more accurately likened to a dump. What can I leave behind or get rid of? that I don't really need, that weighs me down or burdens me. And this isn't to say in terms of necessarily particular experiences that we need to get rid of, but maybe we need to address certain ways of seeing, of behaving that don't truly serve us. And in relationship to this understanding, this recognition that the basis of freedom and well-being is actually letting go. Liberation through non-clinging. In recognizing this, the capacity for giving, the quality that we could describe as generosity, is one which is an incredibly important quality. It is both the expression of freedom and equally a vehicle for its discovery and its deepening.
And the Buddha, in his in his life and his teachings, emphasized again and again the importance of cultivating that capacity of generosity of heart, particularly to lay people, those who were not full-time monastics, nuns or monks, people who were living in the world. This was, in fact, the first teaching he would give to lay people. And generosity, the, the development, the cultivation of generosity, recognizes the first of the, the qualities of heart that the Buddha perfected and that all human beings are capable of perfecting. There's an interesting quote also, which is uh, quite famous of the Buddha once speaking to his son. He said to his son Rahula, Rahula, if you knew what I knew about giving, about the value of generosity, you would not let a single meal go past without sharing it. And that, that emphasis of the importance of sharing in our lives something quite focal in, in the Dharma teaching. It may not at first impression seem to have that much to do with our meditation, but I'll come back to that at a later point. We could begin in just asking ourselves, well, what is so significant about this? What, by what means or capacity does it seem to have such potency as, as being ascribed? it, that it's that important. There's something really interesting that happens for us when we're able to give, whatever it might be, whether time or material things, give of ourselves or what we own, what we have. But we can't really do it unless we have a sense of having enough to share. That when we have a sense of not enough in our life, we kind of try and hold on to what we have and gather more to us. And any situation that seems to ask us for something seems rather threatening. We kind of tense or harden against it. We can just see as an, if you know we're really busy and stressed and pressured. And someone asks for some extra help or some time, how easy we can feel like we don't want to give. Or we can't give, it's too much. And interestingly, the act of giving at some level expresses a trust that there is enough. And the sense of enough actually allows us to release the way in which we contract, the way in which we hold and attach to things, to experiences, to people, to our life. It has the effect of actually freeing us from the fear that we will not have enough, that we will at some time in the future, even though we might have enough now, so much of our holding and our seeking to cling on to is to do with the belief or the idea, perhaps unexpressed or unconscious in our minds, that we need to do this in order to protect the future. We may have plenty right now, but we're not sure if we'll have enough tomorrow or the next day or the next year or the next decade. And the sense of just offering, making an offering, can, can just cut through that. It makes it something very immediate that we just realize, okay, right now there's enough. It's possible to offer something. And in offering, 
there's a way in which our heart is naturally open. Even if we don't feel that to begin with, it actually just flows from the nature of what it is to share, to offer, to contribute to the well-being of others. And there's a way in which we become, through that act, more free from the, the tyranny of the voice inside our head that can always say there isn't enough or there won't be enough, I want more, I need more. When in fact, that voice can never really be satisfied by keeping hold of what we have. It can always tell us we need more. It's remarkable to see how even those who have vast amounts more than we do still struggle to get extra. And while we might chuckle at such situations, or be critical perhaps, Equally many who have much less than us look at the way we always want just that little bit more and can't quite believe why that is. Giving, offering, sharing, that movement of generosity is actually, I believe, a very natural quality of our heart when we feel connected, when we feel in touch with our life, when we feel in touch with other living beings. It's quite, I think, beautiful, the, I would say, reliability of the impulse to want to give some food to a wild creature that arises in people's hearts and minds. Particularly with young children, you can see it. Just an interest to give something, but for many, many people, if we see an animal, a creature that we're not feeling threatened by, it's not about it's not a sort of a stampeding rhinoceros, we aren't about to offer a handful of grass, but when we don't feel threatened by a creature, what we often feel moved to do is give it something. And of course, sometimes this isn't actually that good for it. You know, feeding you know, food, apples to the ponies on Dartmoor makes them sick. But the, the impulse is actually rather beautiful. Now, just that sense of wishing to offer something. And together with offering, looking at what it is to, to offer, to have that sense of, of giving, allowing that which we might call ours, which we have some control over, to be made available to others, to be offered. Equally, it's useful to reflect on the process of receiving. What is that in our life? And it goes very much together with our capacity for offering is the sense to which we are, or the degree to which we are in contact with a sense of receiving. Often we feel like we have to struggle, we have to fight for what we need. We have to battle to hold on. And yet, in a very fundamental way, our life is something we receive. It's not like we come in here with a contract that says we've you know, earned it, we've got to have it, we're entitled to this one and it's going to last for this long, and it's going to be like this, and if it's any different, we can you know, sue someone for breach of contract. Whatever our life might be, with all its challenges, it is still something that we simply receive. We are born into this world. This life is, is there for us, as though we were to receive a meal. Just walking in an unfamiliar place, and someone offers us food. Coming into life is not that different than that. Coming into embodied existence is not that different than that. We simply find here is life touching us, 
with sights and sounds and smells and tastes and feelings in our heart that food is, is there for us that we have food to eat that there are, are beautiful things around us and yet it's not always that obvious to us is it that this is what's going on there's that old expression you know to not look a gift horse in the mouth Sometimes, you know, we've sort of moved on a bit these days and most of us probably have very little, if anything, at all to do with horses in our life. I kind of, I, I presume everyone knows that why you don't look a gift horse in the mouth is because you can judge a horse's age by its teeth. And the, long, the older it is, the shorter its teeth get. And to look in the mouth is to say, you know, how old, what old nag have you given me for a gift, basically, rather than just saying, wow, great, you've given me a horse. I don't care if it's going to die tomorrow or if it's you know, old and weak. That's a gift. And yet we often look at our life with a sense of entitlement. Not as though we've been given it as an offering and we just say, wow, thank you. It's more like you know, we take it for granted. It should be happening. In fact, it should be doing probably a little bit better than it is, if not a lot better. And we tend to very easily focus on the negative, the shortcomings, the problematic areas which aren't to be denied. And that's kind of what we do when we feel like it's my thing and I own it and I, I want it to be in a certain way. Like if you ever notice the difference between borrowing something and owning something. When you borrow something, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's nice, I can use this. When you own it, you immediately want to improve it. Well, at least I immediately want to improve it or fix it. It's really interesting in that way. You notice all the problems. And of course we do this with ourselves, you know all the things we could fix about ourselves, all the things we could fix about our life. And that's not to say that there isn't value in looking at the possibilities, the potential for, for growing, for, for bringing into our life more of that which we value, which we believe to be truly important. And yet to what extent can our life be founded on a sense of, of gratitude for having received it at all? to receive the very gift of our days and nights. And this is a miraculous thing that we exist at all. Do we take it for granted or can we actually just sense that, wow, I'm given so much. Even to just be here for not as long as I would like to be. Not always the way I wish wanted to be and yet here at all in this existence to feel the warmth of the sun and just wow in England probably most of us we don't take that for granted we can really appreciate it but it doesn't take long before we start to think you know you get a few sunny days and we think it's going to be like this all summer we kind of forget we get disappointed when it goes away sensing that life is offered to us is again something perhaps we feel more easy when we feel a sense of connection, when we feel safe, when we're in a place of more trust within ourselves and within our environment that, that allows us to actually receive, that allows us to actually be touched by the, the beauty of a, of a tree or a flower or an old twig 
I mean, we, we bring these things into the centre of the room and we make something of them in the, in the mandala. And we can see the beauty and even stones that we wouldn't have given a second glance if we saw them on the footpath walking past. We give some attention to them. We say, oh yes, there's, there's something we can receive in that contact. And that's very much about finding finding a quality of trust and connection in our relationship to our life. Because actually, for all that we might wish to receive so much, it's not as easy as we might think or believe. Often it can be incredibly difficult, sometimes the most difficult thing, to truly and genuinely allow ourselves to receive. Without having to sort of do a deal and give something back in return or sort of tell someone they shouldn't have, or no, I don't really deserve this, but to actually just receive something we're not always so good at. It involves for us some degree of humility to just be in a position where we can be one who maybe has needs that someone else is taking care of. A position of vulnerability where we're not saying, look, I can do and get everything I need to by myself, but actually sometimes we're dependent. Sometimes we can't do it all by ourselves. We need help. And to actually acknowledge that as being, at times, the truth of our life isn't easy for us. Perhaps a little scary, because if I actually need something, what if no one gives it to me? What if I can't get it? But when we actually feel some trust, when we feel a sense of relationship to life, if we look at our life, we'll see that perhaps actually it does offer us what we need. It does actually offer us what we need. And sometimes we just, we find it so hard to ask for something, to ask for help, as though we're afraid that if we do, others will refuse us and point out our unworthiness of receiving. That if we if we're frightened of people, we feel we must give to them, we must please them, we must look after them, be kind to them, not cause them trouble or irritation or bother. And so we might actually be quite good at giving, but in a way that isn't actually free, that's actually bound by a fear of what will happen if I don't give. And we might find ourselves unable to actually receive very easily or comfortably because we're afraid that at some level if we do, we may make ourselves subject to the anger or the, somehow the threat we feel or perceive in another person. That we want to stay in a place that's safe by not asking anything from anyone. And yet, we can't live this life without drawing upon the depth of our relationship to other people. Without receiving support from others. That's not to say we are dependent upon any individual or any specific thing being offered at a particular time. But life is not something that, while no one can do it for us, equally we're not asked to do it by ourselves. And there's a way in which the practice of giving and receiving is, is something that we can use quite intentionally as an antidote to some of those quite painful and limiting conditionings that we find ourselves bound in. 
Giving is an incredible antidote to fear and to neediness. The sense of not having enough, the sense of I need more, I want... If we just give, and it only needs to be a little sometimes, of whatever it is we feel short or tight on around, just giving a little, sharing a little, we often just connect with a sense of enough. I've got enough, it's okay. And actually in receiving, in allowing... <coughs> allowing ourselves to receive, it begins to dissolve that sense of not being worthy of receiving or of not trusting that if we allow ourselves to be open to it that what we need will come to us without us having to sort of pursue it and subdue it and sort of wrestle at home, so to speak. That we don't have to do it all ourselves. So we actually can practice these things. We can actually practice these qualities. And the life of the nuns and the monks of the time of the Buddha through till today very much founded on giving and receiving. The relationship of the lay people in the Buddhist traditions, the Buddhist countries, very much founded on giving and receiving. And the relationship between the two of the, the nuns and the monks receiving their food, their clothing, any shelter they have, purely is something given to them, not able to keep hold, not able to keep food from one day to the next, but each day dependent on being given more. And the lay people giving that, offering that every day, giving rice from their bowl. Poor people, people not with a lot of extra food, and yet joyfully understanding that there's a relationship there that giving and receiving expresses. And that the nuns and the monks give to the people through their presence, through their commitment to spiritual practice, which is truly for the benefit of all, and through their offering of teaching, of kindness, of guidance, of a sanctuary within the monastery. And that, that process of giving and receiving is also one that I think very fundamentally we need to consciously develop. We need to recognize it. It's, as a value, I don't think anyone would dispute the significance and the value of it. And all spiritual, re religious traditions, I think, would be in somewhat agreement over the, the value of that, that, that quality of, of giving. And of course, in giving, it's not possible unless we equally affirm the value and the importance of receiving. It's easy to sometimes think that the giver is the important one and the receiver is the unimportant one. And yet the giving can't happen without the receiver. There's a, I remember reading a, um, in a book once, this rather, I thought, lovely quote, that the receiving of a gift is to honour the giver. That there's a two-way exchange that occurs in any offering and receiving process. And giving can take so many different forms. The giving of time, of care, of kindness, sharing of what we have in the material world, our space, our living space, our possessions, our resources, financial, material, feeling that they can be available to others. I mean, we live in a world where it seems more and more, and probably, you know, everyone's quite aware of this, how much everyone has to have one of everything themselves. You know, there was a time when the person who had a television in the street, everyone came around to watch. Then, of course, every family had a television, and now there's a television in every room. 
everyone's got their own one and so many different ways and things it's like the capacity to share with others seems to be diminishing in our culture and this of course is great for business it's great for the factories and the business sort of making more things it's not so great for the planet it's not actually so great for our life because we're all very happy in our own little room with all our little things or maybe we're not so happy there And sometimes what makes it difficult for us to give or to receive is a sense of not being worthy, feeling that we don't deserve to receive or that another does not deserve to receive our offering. There are those causes perhaps we think are worthy and those we perhaps don't feel so open to that may come to us. It's sometimes easier for us to turn away from some of the things, some of the offerings that are asked or some of the invitations we receive to give something. It's really quite interesting to see how if a monk would come in here with a bowl looking for food. Probably, at least some people here will be familiar with the Buddhist tradition and be quite keen and happy to offer some food. And yet if someone sort of turned up wearing rags and smelling a bit funny looking for food, the reception might not be the same. It might be, and it would be wonderful if that was so. But often the thought comes, well, if I give to this person and then everyone else hears about it, I have to give everything and I'll have nothing left. But we never ask to give to more than just what is in front of us, nor to give more than we are able to. Sometimes all we have to offer is a kind word. Or maybe sometimes even a kind word can't be received. And we might just offer from within, silently from our heart, just a wish for the well-being of another. And this is an offering, this is a sharing of our care, of our kindness. In the loving-kindness practice, we were expressing a form of it in the walking meditation during the family meditation periods, that sense of just offering to others, to ourselves, may I be happy, may you be happy. And sometimes we can do that all right, but can we receive it? Can we receive equally from another? May I be happy. Others wishing my happiness. Gosh, do I deserve it? Because it's easy to look at our life and think of all the ways we've messed up really badly. Sometimes easier to see that than everyone else's. And we easily in that come to believe that we're not quite worthy of it. We have to fix ourselves first. We have to perfect ourselves before we can really allow ourselves to receive the offering of another being, another person, or the the incredible depth and richness of this life. And yet the trees offer their fruit to all that come. Their new qualification is being able to reach. They don't ask if you've been a good person or a good animal. You know, it's not like writing to Santa Claus whether you've done any bad deeds or good deeds before you get a present. The food that grows on the earth is offered. No one has to qualify for it. And that's speaking to us something about the nature of life. The way life actually relates to itself. And the way to which we as parts of life could come to relate to ourselves 
and the rest of life. To understand, to relate to life is something which is in any moment both offering us that which we can receive and equally inviting us to offer to it that which we have to give. In the Buddhist tradition there's a considerable emphasis in, in not so much here at Gaia House, but certainly in the, uh, in the, in the Buddhist countries and in the monasteries, uh, in the, the forms of devotional practice where there can be a lot of bowing and um, sort of making of offerings of candles and flowers and incense. And some people find this rather lovely and heartwarming. Others don't connect with it so much. And it's fine, whatever your experience or if you haven't any experience of that, what that is or isn't. But in that, there's, there's, I think, a really wonderful principle that is recognizing our capacity to bring forth something from our heart and offer it. It could be just an expression of appreciation for someone who you know, did a lot of meditation practice and had a few wise things to say about it that are some use in our life. We could call this the Buddha and the Dharma or we could just call it something more simply, as I did. We might just have some sense of just appreciation for the support that we get from the people we're sharing our life with, sharing this retreat with, this community here. And just in that sense of appreciation, feeling something that, that perhaps rises up from our heart and that comes out, it doesn't mean we have to you know, rush around giving everyone flowers or sort of whatever, but there might just be in there in the brightness of our look and the warmth of our touch or our smile that is actually an offering that we can offer in the, in the form of a devotion to life and equally a devotion to truth that seeing what we receive from it is a natural gratitude that evokes within us a response and the response of gratitude is to wish to give to have received and to know that receiving is to be in touch with gratitude and gratitude moves as giving, as an offering. In meditation, as we sit and we breathe in, we're receiving at a biological and energetic level we're receiving the nourishment that sustains our existence with every in-breath. We're receiving that. We actually, if it wasn't there, we'd you know, take it for granted, breathing. If, it's, if the air wasn't there, or if we couldn't breathe for any reason, we'd suddenly realize just how remarkably important that is. How precious that is. How grateful we would be if someone held our nostrils and our mouth closed in the moment they released them that we were able to breathe again. And that air, that oxygen, we received simply offered into the air by the, by the trees, the plants, the grasses. Equally expressed into the air by those around us. The air in this room has been drawn into the lungs of others before us and even as it's breathed out, still has oxygen in it, which we take in. 
and there's a process not just of that that receiving with each in breath but equally an offering every time we breathe out we breathe out into the room into the atmosphere into the world we breathe out into each other's lungs we breathe out into the leaves of the trees and at a moment to moment breath by breath level we are giving and receiving life each experience comes to us a thought, a feeling, a sound whether we like it, whether we don't could we see it as something offered to us that we could receive something that perhaps offers us the possibility of connecting that invites us to the possibility of deepening and understanding through the quality of connection that is there and that equally invites us to respond each experience that comes to us invites us to respond to offer our heart and our mind and what they can bring to that moment to bring a quality of interest and curiosity is the offering of our mind to this moment to our life in this moment bringing a quality of of receptivity of openness, of kindness and caring is the offering of our heart to this moment to this experience to the sound of the child to the sound of our mind as it chatters whatever it might be that opportunity to offer the space to be this is going on and on or at least the possibility is there for that we can live our lives under so much pressure it seems trying to make it happen stress is like the modern epidemic the black death of the modern age we're under so much pressure so much of the time it seems trying to get it right trying to succeed measuring how well we're doing and our progress it's like we feel that life is something we have to make happen and we have to get it right and most of the time it feels like we're not getting it right because it's difficult because it's complicated because at times it's painful and we often are are kind of looking for, for signals for markers for signposts to tell us we're getting it right or it's going to get better from here on in going to go the way I want it but it really isn't like that if we understand that our life is something we receive that we don't have to make it happen in the way we perhaps think there's a story of a um, story told in India of a man who goes for a journey on a train and um, India the uh, I think about a million people take a train journey every day in India which is kind of remarkable they have a lot of trains and if you want to take a long train I mean you can actually take a very long train journey in this country as well in these days I've been sort of working on that things recently but um, in India you can actually take a much longer train journey you can be on a train for days on end 
Um, and you know, a high-speed train travels at about 56 kilometres an hour. About 30, no, no, 56 miles an hour, and a, a slow train travels at about 20. Um, but the Super Express, about 56 miles an hour. Anyway, this man gets on a train with this great big heavy suitcase, and in India, some of you may have been there, people um, carry their luggage and various other things on their heads. And the story is of this man who goes on to this long train journey. He has a suitcase on his head and he walks onto the train. He stands there as the train takes off with the suitcase on his head, all the way to his destination. And only when he actually gets to the end, someone says, you know, you don't have to carry the suitcase on your head. The train will do it for you. And in our life, we often feel like the weight of our life, we have to somehow carry it. And we feel the weight and the pressure of that. Not realizing that life is actually carrying us. And that we can put the suitcase down and it'll come with us. It won't get left behind. Once we're on the train, we're going together. And actually we've got a lot more chance to enjoy ourselves along the way if we don't have the suitcase on our head. It doesn't mean we don't have to keep an eye on it. We certainly have to keep an eye on it or it might be that someone else will end up with it at the end of the journey on an Indian train. But there is something about that, I think this process of giving our life back to life, where we don't have such an absolute sense of owning it, of it being ours and supposed to be in a certain We don't have a sense of making it happen. Like the story with the, um, with the seeds and the frog and the toad this morning. How often the way our life is moving is actually not visible to us. We can't see what our seeds are doing in the same way. We might be on a meditation retreat and we think, nothing's happening, I'm not getting anywhere. In fact, it looks like I'm getting worse, you know. Um, and yet we don't know what's growing quietly within us. We don't see, perhaps until at some later date, that the blooms burst forth and we think, wow. We think it all happens in that moment. It's as if, have you ever watched a flower opening? It sort of like kind of happens incredibly slowly. And then suddenly there's this big flower. And often we think, wow, the flower just opened. But actually it's been opening ever since the seed was in the ground. That whole process is still the flower growing and opening. And learning to trust our life in that way. But to bring to it what we can, to offer in our life what we are able to. Bringing a quality of interest, of kindness, of Willingness to learn is, is what we give to our life and in that we receive the benefit of it ourselves. What we give away does not deplete us. It in fact enriches us. And yet what we receive equally enriches us. It's one of those win-win situations. It's kind of nice. And in fact it's really only when we give up our life give it back that in that act we actually receive it fully and completely when we let go the sense of ownership and control we find that life speaks to us of its wholeness of its fullness of its profound as it isness, just as it isness, that 
is large enough, is vast enough to encompass both the challenge and the struggle and the sweetness and the ease and the joy that can be there in our lives and that flows through our lives. In that process of giving and receiving, in that process of opening to the flow of life as something given and something received and actually seeking to participate consciously and actively in that process to see our life as something in which we are given a precious opportunity to give and equally the precious opportunity to receive. That offering is what determines most fundamentally the quality of our life what we're able to offer to it. And that degree to which we're able to receive that, that richness is really the fruition of the open heart of offering. And it expresses, and sometimes we might not feel this, it's not necessary always to feel this, but if we understand this, we can make it the basis of how we choose to live. That Actually, the relationship that we have to this life is not one of being here giving it something or getting something from it, but actually being so closely intertwined with it that its very nature and its texture is shown to us by this apparent giving and receiving. And yet what it's showing, what it's reflecting and expressing is that we are not separate from anything else. We cannot survive without everything else and nor can it survive without us. Anything that's taken out of the picture changes everything in the picture. And whatever is given into the picture, into the wholeness of things, actually nourishes all the things in that wholeness. Life itself is nourished and honoured by any little offering that we make in any form to anything, ourself, what we call ourselves, or what we call another. Allowing our life to become an expression of that interconnectedness and that that flow of of receiving and giving is to bring our life into harmony, our life into harmony with the way of life, which is giving, which is giving and which is receiving, which gives us our life and yet equally receives our life just as it is without complaint or judgment. So it actually allows our life to be held, that we receive it therefore not as a burden, but as a blessing. And we offer it back to life in the understanding that there's nothing else we need to do with it beyond that. Except perhaps to understand more and more deeply what that means.
Could we just sit quietly for a moment or two, please? by the boundlessness of life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.